Addiction is a serious issue, and we take it seriously. This is Road to Recovery with Yona Bud on 640 Toronto. And good evening. I'm Yona. Thank you for joining us tonight. We're in the studio tonight with Sophia and Devon. Uh, take, Devon will take your call. He's all set. Wants to hear from you tonight. 416-870-6400. We're talking about mental health. That's what we do on Road to Recovery. We're talking about mental health, addiction, that kind of stuff. You know, a little bit about crime and kids. You know, getting to the other side, figuring out a way to get through some of this stuff. Anyway, today was a cool day. Nice. I mean, not cool in terms of temperature. Cool in terms of you could get outside and do stuff. Like, OMG, the patios were packed, everyone on the street, kids in the park. Almost feels like normal, right? It almost feels like normal. So the question I have for you all tonight is, you having a hard time with all this? How are you dealing? Is it a bit too much? want to hear from you. 416-870-6400 or 888-225-TALK. And Devon is standing by to take your call, and we can chat together on the radio. That's what this is all about. It's an interactive opportunity for me to share with you and you to share with me and the tens of thousands of people that are listening to us tonight at the same time. You know, there's tons of stuff in the news about uh, the pandemic and impact it's having and so on. And as I indicated, you know, earlier on uh, in another world and another station not so long ago in the midst of all this, I was talking about the the next decade of the uh, mental health um, uh, tsunami, if you will. I think I'm coining that from one of the psychologists I spoke to, uh, a a mental health tsunami uh, that's going to be, you know, for decades. And uh, it's taken a massive toll across all the age segments, right, because of this uh, lockdown situation. It's affected school and college education and people with job losses, salary cuts, tons of domestic squabbles. You know, the lines between home and office are blurring. Uh, Loneliness due to death of near ones and dear ones. You know, lack of closure on being prohibited from performing last rites or something for family members dying of COVID. And the lasting anxiety over one's self getting infected. You know, the fear of getting this thing. Well, I've been double vaccinated for a while now, and I'm not afraid of getting that sick because I can handle a flu. I just can't handle a tube down my throat. I want to hear from you. How are you managing? You know, like, how are you dealing? Are you a little depressed, maybe? A little anxious? A touch panicky, right? You know, maybe a little bit living too much in yesterday. Maybe, you know, focused a little on what was. Maybe focused a little bit too much on what might be. So you're not doing a great job of focusing on staying in the moment, staying in today. Because that's the opportunity we have. That's one of the ways you come out the other side. You know, one of the vehicles on the road to recovery is learning how to live in the moment. So we want to hear from you, 416-870-6400 or 888-225-TALK, which is 8255. And if you can't get a hold of us by phone, road to recovery at 640toronto.com. We get your emails and we'll get back to you either during the show or sometime after, but we promise we will get back to you. Um, you know, the, the situation of... Um, you know, of domestic violence, for example, you know, it's, it's, it's gone. So the numbers are so through the roof. It's affecting women. We did a show about it not long ago. We'll continue to talk about it until it gets better because that's what we do. We talk about stuff here and hopefully it gets better. And we want to be able to share with you and talk about some of your experiences. And for that matter, we, um, here, uh, we have Paige from Toronto and, uh, how are you Paige? I'm fine, sir. I had spoken to you earlier yeah. the first yeah, we day talk- we started the show. Yeah, yeah, but I since then I couldn't get through. I tried phoning like every week, but I just couldn't get through. 
Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to ask you to get to offline with uh, Devon, and he's going to take your information, and I'm going to get your phone number, and if it's okay with you, I'm going to call you through the week, and we're going to talk yeah. about uh, talk about the book, and I think I have somebody lined up that's going to help you. Thanks so much for calling, Paige. It's amazing. Hope you're doing a little bit better too, by the way. I hope it's uh, things are feeling a little better in your head. You know, this behavioral scientist, his name is Ali Kwaja, and he says it's made the COVID's made the world turn inward you know, homebound, and people are finding themselves in what they call solitary confinement. Now, of course, I've worked with prisoners for years. I've had them on the show before. We'll have some more on the others as we go. But, you know, it's really not like solitary confinement. You, you know, anybody who's any time in jail would kind of be offended by that. It's kind of like calling, uh, you know, a horrible situation something like the Holocaust. You can never compare horrible situations like that to, to something else. Solitary confinement is a very different, very different thing. But for us as, as human beings, right, we don't want to live alone. We don't, don't want to be doc, boxed in and we don't like to be told that we can go somewhere or not go somewhere. It's just in our nature. It's not good for us. And it freaks us out a little bit and makes things a little bit more difficult for us to cope with. So the mental health experts go on to say that you can look at it from two aspects. One is from the psychological reactions that people have and they've experienced for more than a year now during the pandemic. And secondly, the experiences of being affected by COVID and its neuropsychiatric uh, events. The condition is sequen as called a sequence of a previous disaster or injury. It's almost like a PTSD kind of thing, but not really. It's trying to be able to do that. And COVID is likely to develop people with COVID, by the way. One in three of them who've had it are likely to have a problem with, um, with you know, things related to their mental health as time goes on. Um, the solution to a lot of people, you know, to, to the, this particular situation for lots of people, the solution is is getting some help, right? And there's lots of ways to get help around this kind of stuff. So when you're talking about anxiety, depression, uh, fear of the future, all the kinds of stuff, right? It's, you know, you got to be able to live kind of one day at a time. I know you hear it if you've ever heard anybody who's in the uh, the 12-step programs like Addiction, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous or Cocaine Anonymous or any of those situations, right? People talk about living in the moment, staying in the day. And that's, you know, the way, one of the ways that you cope with some of the difficulties that one might be having, and we'd like to hear from you, 416-870-6400. Kind of tell us how, how you're making it. You can call through the show anytime and uh, Devon will take your information and if we can get you on, we will and um, it would be great to hear from you. But, you know, fewer than, um, you know, we're dealing with people who don't understand where some of these feelings come from. You know, I take tons of phone calls from people in my private practice or at the farm where we treat people in uh, in residence or Recover at Home, which is a, you know, a program that I run for uh, people to uh, recover from home. It's a virtual therapy program or just people calling, you know, referrals from different people asking for information and help. I'm trying to give them as best advice I can. So we're going to try to give you some of that same advice here in the next two or three minutes before we go to the, the segment two after break. And, and I think the key element is where are you right now? Like seriously, where are you right now? Are you somewhere safe? Are you with a loved one or are you, you know, with your puppy or with your cat or your fish? Are you in a decent place right now in terms of physicality? You know, are you physically where you need to be? And that's really the way to start focusing on coming out the other side of this stuff. And not just the recovery from the pandemic, but just recovery from any situation, a bad breakup, maybe a loss of a job, your dog got sick, or someone, God forbid, passed away, right? So the best way to do that is living in the moment. How do you live in the moment? You stay rooted. 
Where am I right now? Where are my feet right now? Am I sitting? Am I standing? Can I feel my feet on the ground? I'm sitting in a chair. Can I feel my arms, my hands on either my lap or on the, on the arms of the chair? That's the moment. You're in the moment. So dealing with yesterday and how much of us spend time, put up our hands. Yeah, right. Lots of us out there. I can see your hands up. Okay. Lots of us spend too much time dealing with what happened yesterday. You know why? Because you can't do anything about it. It's gone, baby. Never to return. Yesterday is over. And guess what? Tomorrow hasn't happened yet. So if yesterday is over and you can't fix that, and tomorrow hasn't happened yet, so you can't get into that, what do you do? What's the best thing to do? The best thing to do is stay in the moment. Live with what you've got right now and enjoy what you've got right now. Today was a beautiful day. It was sunny. It was wonderful. Who cares that it's going to rain on Monday other than me because it means I have to limit my walking or my outdoor activities. But okay, I can live with that. But I've learned something, by the way. If you watch the weather, never comes true. If you don't watch the weather, it's always coming true. So I don't watch it anymore. And uh, I'm hoping that I have sunny days. But seriously, living in the moment, learning how to live today, Versus what happened, dealing with what happened yesterday and the fear of what might happen tomorrow. Tomorrow's tomorrow and you'll do okay. You just got to get there, man. Right. And you know what? It's, it's, we're having a hard time. We're having a hard time at work. We're having a hard time at play. We're having a time, a hard time cutting loose. So just chill, right? And if you're having a hard time, get a hold of me, 877-777-5808 or road to recovery at 640toronto.com. I will help you. I'll do the best I can to help you or refer you to somebody who can help you, whether it's a government program or, you know, program run by private people. Either way, we're here to help. That's what we want to do. And when we come back from break, going to talk about people going to work and we have a guest on and she's going to help us understand the issues with employees who might be just too busy to get the help they need you know what if you're too busy you don't get what you need right you always got to find time for you you are number one so go have a drink go use the bathroom go do what you got to do make sure you come right back because we want to hear from you this is yona bud at 640 toronto you're listening to Road to Recovery with Yona Bud, only on 640 Toronto. Okay, welcome back. This is Yona. We're uh, talking tonight about mental health here on uh, the Road to Recovery. Lots of stuff out there, but, you know, one of the conversations I'd like to have, and we have a wonderful guest uh, who's joining us tonight. And you got to understand, for a guest to join us live on a, ten, on a Saturday night at, you know, 10-whatever, uh, they really got to be gamers. So uh, I really appreciate the guests that decide to join us and are able to, and uh, we're always very, very thankful. Mental health, our employees seem to be too busy. Actually, here's some stats, right? Um, among those who say they prioritize mental health care, only 43.7% or less than half are working to actually address their condition with guidance from experts. Lots of people talk to their loved ones and their family and so on. You need to talk to people who are trained and know what they're doing. 37.7 believe their condition is not that serious, you know, compared to everybody else. It's not like I'm suicidal, they tell me on the phone when I'm talking to patients. Not like I'm suicidal, I'm just funky, can't get out of bed. Right. Well, you know, for you, that's uh, that's bad enough to talk about enough that it's distracting you. Thirty six point zero percent think mental health services are way too expensive. And I get that. We can talk about that some other time. We'll talk, break that down. Let you know how that really works. Thirty one point eight percent say they're way too busy, uh, too busy to brush your teeth, maybe and get to the dentist and do all that stuff. Twenty five percent doubt the effectiveness of mental health 
care. 25% don't want others to worry about them, so they don't want to share it with anybody. But if you talk to a professional or people like that, they're not going to worry about you. They're just going to help you. That's their job. 23% feel uncomfortable discussing their mental health, just not quite comfortable, not out of that closet yet where we can talk about this stuff openly, but we're getting there. 20% have a hard time asking for help. 15% feel unsafe going out because of possible exposure to COVID, so they don't understand that there are virtual care opportunities. 13.6% feel ashamed of their mental health. Not a good place to be, right? Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. It's not necessarily your fault. What you do with it is in your control. 10% worry about being judged by others. What a great place to spin off here and invite our guest to join us. Her name is Paula Allen, and she's the global leader and vice president of research and total well-being at LifeWorks. And uh, Paula, thank you for joining me tonight. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Amazing. I hope you're on a patio or something cool and you're not doing this from like some basement office where you should actually be outside looking at the stars. I think there's stars tonight. Yeah, there are stars tonight. I'm warm and safe at home and all good. That's good. So you you heard the stats. I mean, I'm sure you heard them over and over and over again. And um, so tell me a little bit first, before I start drilling you with questions, tell me a little bit about LifeWorks and uh, and, and what you do at uh, Total Wellbeing at LifeWorks. Yeah, so um, I'm the global leader of research in total well-being, and, and really well-being is the core of life work. We help people with mental health, physical health, social, financial health, all the things that matter in terms of your health, your quality of life, and your work productivity. And uh, in most situations, what the, the, the group that we respond to, the group that hires us, is an organization. So an employer, a union group, uh, a university for post-secondary students, and we help their people. So kind of like a, um, well, not like a, a hired gun, but kind of like hired professionals <laughs> that come into a company to provide, for kind of provide a HR on steroids kind of program, right? Like if they, they obviously, most companies don't have this kind of depth. I know that Chorus, my, my employer, uh, we're very deep in providing uh, care for our employees. But um, give me an idea, like are these small businesses, uh, Paula? Are these, you know, larger size businesses? Uh, give me an idea who, who are, uh, you know, on top of themselves well enough to be paying attention to ask for your help? Well, it's all types of businesses. So in, in, in Canada, in our, our EAP service, our Employee Assistance Program service, which is the largest service, um, almost all large employers, the vast majority of mid-sized employers, and even smaller employers through their insurance plans uh, have EAP available. And that's, I'm so glad that you, you highlighted that because many people don't realize that it is available. You know, it might be communicated to you at the, at the beginning when you start work. It might be communicated to you periodically. But it is voluntary, confidential, fully confidential service, 24-7, 365 days a year, where you have immediate access for a range of support, mental health, addiction support, child care, uh, family support, legal and financial support, and wow. a number of different kinds of support. Yeah. And from what I, I, I let me ask this question. Maybe I'm jumping the gun here, but it's paid for by the company, and the companies get and the company gets paid for by their insurance. So it's a win-win-win for everybody. Is that what I'm hearing? It's an absolute win-win-win because companies wow. pay for it because they care about the well-being of their people, and they're wise to do so because it's so linked to the success of business. If you have people who feel 
supported, valued, if they have services to help them deal with the things that everybody deals with. It, and so they're not distracted, so their mental health doesn't uh, decline unnecessarily, then you have a stronger workforce. Well, if you're listening out there, I'm talking to Paula Allen. She's the global leader and VP of research and total well-being. What a cool title. That's a whole nother story. We'll have to have you back on for sure. Uh, but she's at LifeWorks. And I think if you're a company or working for a company, you might want to reach out to LifeWorks and ask them how they might be able to uh, intercede and make things a little bit better. So let me ask you something here. Um, before the pandemic, obviously you were in business. Um, is there an uptick? And if so, what's that really look like in terms of what, what you would call new business, but what I would call an opportunity to save lives? What's, what, what's the, what's the uptick there in, uh, in your business model as it relates to more people jumping on for the support? Well, a couple of things have happened since the pandemic. One of the things that we do is we measure the mental health of the working population with something called uh, a mental health index. And what we've seen is that there's been a massive decline in mental health of working Canadians since this pandemic, and it has been continuing. And the way that we're seeing that in our services is really significant complexity. So, you know, people who were, you know, really at high risk before were in full-on crisis during this pandemic. People who had moderate risk. You know, they're they're higher risk. You know, we have people who might have had a personal issue and now there's an issue with their child or a broader family or financial issues. The complexity of situations has really um, increased significantly. In terms of, uh, I guess my question, I didn't ask it very well, I'm sorry, but in terms of new business, are there, are you finding more companies, more organizations jumping on getting this kind of care, uh, versus, uh, versus what, how, you know, let's say two years ago, um, if you were looking at at your year to date kind of growth, what does that look like and what percentage? Like, give me, are you 50% higher? Are you 60% higher? 10% higher? What's your, is your, are, 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 are we looking like people, I guess where I'm coming from with long and the short of it is, does it look like people are going to jump on services like yours so that we do have a chance to help people get well? Or is it still kind of they don't know it exists and they don't know that it's paid for and it's maybe not a good investment and I don't want my guys and gals away from the office or the desk or the machine? How's that really look? So a couple of things have happened. So the first thing is that or more organizations are interested in providing this for their people. We've had more CEOs, more small business people, and people are really concerned about the mental health of, of, of their employees. So we've had more companies offer it. And even companies who didn't offer it to part-time or contract staff, we've had an increased number of them in, offer it to that broader group of, 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 of employees. Now, an interesting thing happened, and this is why I mentioned the mental health index in terms of people's behavior, because even though we had this dramatic decline in, in mental health, you know, increased anxiety, increased isolation, all sorts of things, in the very beginning, we actually did not see an uptick overall. What we yeah, saw is yeah. an uptick in, in suicidal ideation. In those yeah. crisis situations, people yeah. were holding back and kind of just, you know, focusing on the, the, the you know, just getting things done. And yeah. now we're starting to see the wave really increase. But as I said, the wave is much more complex because people delayed getting care. Well, unfortunately, the situations got worse. And I think too, um, you know, being a, a first you know, line responder and, and dealing with people day to day that are in a bad spot, you know, I really find that, um, 
you know, you have to kind of plan for it. So, you know, being the VP of research and total well-being, uh, you're obviously looking at the curve going forward in your, in your, you know, in your war room, so to speak, at the company, I'm sure. Uh, the, the next years, the next number of years, a decade or so for sure, you got to be ramping up in your mind for sure, right? Yeah, without, without question. I mean, we have prior research from other exceptional epidemics, SARS, et cetera, which obviously weren't as broad or in scope or impact as, as this one. And, and the mental health impact lasts for several years after. Like, I mean, when you really think about it, when, when people you know, experience the uncertainty, the change, essentially the trauma of, yeah. of going through something like this, and for, yeah. for so long, the length of time that we've been going through this is one of our, one of our biggest risks. You know, there's actually changes that start to happen in the brain. You get more of that fight and flight behavior. You yeah. you 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 acquire uh, behaviors and coping strategies that might be maladaptive that don't go away. We all, we find that people right now are on edge. So even though, though we're seeing more optimism and we're seeing some improvement, we also see an undercurrent of conflict, anger, edge, and we also see the impact of trauma. Well, I got to tell you, Paula, um, I, I would love for you to join us again and kind of be our in-house uh, expert on how people are managing getting back to work. Would that be okay? Can we have you on another time? Because I just don't have enough time to ask you the 35 questions I'd like to ask you. Um, and you're just wonderful to talk to, and you seem to really be passionate about your work, kind of my kind of person. So uh, would that be cool to have you another time? And uh, we can drill down on some of this uh, maybe another month from now, see how it's, how it's looking, touch base, see how it's impacting and some, how, some of the work that you're doing and maybe share some cool stories. So I'm talking to Paula Allen. She is the VP of Research and Total Wellbeing at LifeWorks. She's a really cool lady, knows exactly what she's doing, and uh, she's available. So if you're a company and you're an HR department and you're looking for some advice on what to do, she's the person to call. Uh, when we come back from break, one of the things we talked about are employees that are having a hard time asking for help. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about Olympic athletes and, and high-tier athletes, high performers, um, the fact that they're now saying that uh, the stuff around their sport, you know, the interviewing and so on, it's making it very difficult for them to cope. And we're going to talk about some of that when we come back from break. So go do what you got to do. Get yourself something to eat or drink. Make sure it's healthy. Use the bathroom because it's going to be an amazing uh, segment. We're going to talk about how the elite are trying to cope with the stuff that you and me are trying to get through. See you on a bud. 640 Toronto. Welcome back to Road to Recovery with Yona Bud, only on 640 Toronto. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! And welcome back. This is Yona on Road to Recovery. Yes, let's get ready to rumble. We're going to talk about the best of the best and how they're managing with their own mental health pro, 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 uh, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic I know I could find the words. Um, it doesn't matter. It's very difficult. I do some coaching uh, with some kids that are uh, high achievers in particular sports, and some of them are well on their way to hopefully Olympic status and so on. Uh, and we always talk about positive thinking and positive mental health. I try to coach them before their events for five or ten minutes just to give them some stuff. And it's always talking about um, coming out the other side of the positive thinking and not thinking about the stuff, the times that you fall or have fallen or you know didn't you know didn't grab the baton or missed the ball or 
miss the puck or whatever. But talking about all those great um, opportunities and situations where you actually end up feeling like and acting like a hero. Uh, we've heard from 31-year-old Bob, former bobsledder who used to enjoy, uh, his name is Alexander Kopach, and he's uh, he used to, uh, during his career, used to love uh, his sport, but the spotlight really ended his career. You know, I've talked to people all the time, kids in particular, that are high achievers. Most of the suicidal kids that I deal with, teenagers that I deal with in my private practice, um, are high achievers, you know, the best of the best in, their, in whatever it is they do. Um, and they're the ones that have a hard time coming off that pedestal. And I think that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the pedestal itself, facing social media and news and all that kind of stuff and the kind of questioning that goes on. I have an amazing guest here tonight, um, and um, I, I can't be any happier that she would join us. Her name is Dr. Karen McNeil, and she's a former athlete who's a registered psychologist and a performance consultant. She's got over 18 years of experience helping Olympians, organizations, and business leaders consistently bring their best into high-pressure situations. She's worked with athletes competing at the last four Olympic uh, Winter Games, and she competed herself at an international level for over a decade, applying her knowledge and expertise in her capacity as manager of sports psychology services for Vancouver Olympics uh, for Vancouver's Olympic Committee's medical team. She's also a lead mental health counselor. She does all kinds of stuff, and I'm sure just a cool lady to talk to. Dr. McNeil, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. And you know, I guess uh, you're one of the people who have braved staying up late night, late enough to talk to me because, you know, I don't have a lot of friends at this hour. But um, it's great that you could join us. And on a, on a more serious note, I, you know, I've worked with, as I'm sure you have, uh, many people who are really, if you look at them, they're very high achievers. But behind closed doors, they got a lot of issues, uh, a lot of anxiety issues, a lot of performance-related stuff. And it takes a real good uh, performance psychologist, I'm sure, like yourself, that can help them understand, um, you know, how you get past those uh, negative, uh, negative, uh, that negative self-talk and so on. Um, but this whole thing about media, now that I'm understanding, you know, I, I, I watch a lot of golf, I'll be honest. And, and after they, 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 they usually interview the golfer and uh, they always focus on his, ba- his or her bad shots. Like, what's up with that? Yeah, you know, I think the media, it's a conduit between the player and the fan. And I think, you know, part of it um, wants to make them relatable. If we're talking about everything that is good and how they're performing, is that relatable uh, to the individual in front of you? Um, and then I think it's up to the athlete. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll take Tiger Woods. He is phenomenal at taking one of those questions and, you know, acknowledging it, but then reframing it and, and yeah. highlighting his strength that day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you, you know, if you look at the Osaka story, for example, Naomi Osaka, uh, that's probably the one that most people recognize and understand. Uh, it's the most prominent in the media, where she walked away from a media, uh, a media scrum because she just had enough. Now, you know, you've been an athlete. You know, I, I used to box fairly competitively. I, I know what it's like to kind of get ready for a competition. Um, you know, the last thing you want to hear are people asking you questions that give you doubts. Um, and isn't this where some of this is coming from, Doctor? Isn't it really the the concern about the type of questioning and the type of of of, of uh, spotlight that kind of makes you start thinking about, well, really, and can I, and should I? I mean, or am I just thinking beyond this? No, and I think there's a piece of that, and I think you know when you think about people prying into and and looking at different angles of things, um, it it does definitely uh, access that. 
core belief system. And so I think, you know what, really when we look at it, is it the type of questions? Um, I think we've got to look at it by a case-by-case basis. And it really is where that individual is at. Um, how they are feeling, how confident they are, what are pre-existing issues that they may be having, and and their ability then to cope uh, with that situation. Okay, so let's get. That's a good. That's a really good uh, segue to the next question. Um, so you're coaching, you're providing psychological care and 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 and, and skills for uh, people in different settings. Are we doing anything at the training level? to train young athletes and young and young superstars on how to handle the media and how to deal with the mental health around that? Or is it just a given that they should buck up and, and know better? This is a really great question. And I, I can say for amateur sport, we actually, um, we ha- have formed a um, COVID-19 mental health, mental performance task force. And part of that, we have a mental performance consultant community. So each month we meet um, to do professional development, talk about the hot topics, talk about what's going on. This last month, we actually had a media attache come in, Chris Dorden, who uh, is uh, cool. PR. I'm not I'm sure you've heard of him. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and, you know, really to, to, to talk about the training that the amateur athletes get to go through. And and we talked a little bit about how the mental performance consultant can work in concert with the uh, media attache to ensure that that individual is prepared. I know we do it at the amateur level and everyone is at a different place with, with that access. I'm not quite sure how much they do it at the pro level. And someone like you say, like Naomi, um, how much support she's been given around that or other athletes in those situations. So you would think, right, just looking outside the box, thinking outside the box here for a minute, you would think the agents, you know, you know all about agents, right? The agents that represent some of these, uh, all of these athletes, they all have agents at some level. Um, they make a lot of money based on the likes of, uh, of a Naomi and, 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 and her peers. Um, you would think it would be a natural thing for them to have some kind of training from someone like you, for example. It would be a great investment. Have someone like you on site to take each of their new rookies, if you will, or, or some of their pros, and talk them through the stuff um, and get them ready for, for the kind of performance they need to provide off the field or off the, off the rink or wherever you know the surface that they're playing on, um, and get them ready for that because – you know, you're worried about them breaking legs and hurting their knees and not skiing in the off season and stuff. But if they bake or or fry during a bad media scrum, isn't that just as costly? A hundred percent. And, you know, a lot of time and attention has been put into the physical health and the technical skill. Um, equally as important is to develop the mental fitness and bolster the resilience. And, and I think it's really important to understand, um, like you're speaking, is is this is something that, you know, like when you look at building resilience, is, is it's that ability to withstand the pressure and function. So a lot of people think about it's bouncing back, um, but it's more about equipping yourself with the tools and the insights yeah. and the, yeah. the personal assets so you can withstand, um, it almost creates that stress buffer in terms of what's in front of you. Yeah, we call them choices and boundaries, don't we? This, um, I don't know if you've watched any football in the day, but, uh, Ricky Williams is an amazing football player, played for the National Football League, and, uh, he had an amazing way to cope with media attention, uh, because he'd wear his helmet during post-game interviews because he was later diagnosed with social anxiety. So being in his helmet, 
solved it, right? He just wore his helmet during the interviews and it seemed to, it seemed to work really well. Sometimes you see certain players holding their golf club or holding their baseball glove or something, uh, usually for some sort of, of anxiety support. Uh, doctor, you know, um, I, I think, I think there's a couple of things at play here. I think, yes, there's a responsibility for the, for the, for the athlete to be able to buck up and manage the, the, the spotlight, so to speak. But you and I both know the more you're in the spotlight, the, the more you start, start questioning yourself, right? It's hard to keep that, that confidence level up for sure. Um, you know, I question myself after every radio show, you know, and I, am I doing the right thing? Did I say the right stuff? Did I make any mistakes? Right. Um, so I, when you, when you mo- boil that down to the people at the level that you're dealing with, that the best of the best who have trained their whole lives, um, can can we do something you think to buffer their exposure and provide them with a safe place? And I think that's what it is. I think it's stepping into a social, to, into, into a media scrum, into an interview where you're not quite sure, um, you know, what, what the, the line of questioning is. And, you know, if people are starting to, you know, sort of ask you questions, what did Naomi say here? She said, um, she was, her concern was that during the questioning, she would, you know, have some self doubts, worrying about self doubts through some of the questioning. Um, but, should it maybe be something that the media, uh, as you're working now, as you said, you've got some some of those folks on side with you, that maybe they limit their questioning to questions that, I mean, I, I know you said it's, it makes them real, it makes them, you know, uh, tie into to the general public, but so what? So that's for entertainment value, but you've got these people who are about to do something um, at the highest possible level in their field. And do they really need to be, you know, reminded about the slip they had in the last event, you know, a year ago? Absolutely. And, and I think, listen, we've, we've got a really, um, I, I don't think people fully appreciate the level of scrutiny these individuals are under and the impact that this can have on them. And what you're speaking to is, do we control the external environment or do we help the individual man- manage the internal environment? Or do that, both. That's one, that's one piece for you. I think the right. other piece you've got to understand is um, they're human beings. And, you know, I, right, I think right. the idea is if someone is coming in and saying, I'm injured, I have a leg injury, and then the individual in front of them says, well, can you jump up and down 10 times? Um, that would be unreasonable. And yeah. because it's invisible, because it's a mental health injury, um, that seems to be okay. So I think, I think where it has to go is, yes, um, some sensitivity around the media, uh, the individual being trained, but also having choice. And it's got to be situation dependent. And if someone's saying, no, uh, uh, this is not okay for me in this situation, she's meant, I mean, when we go back to that case, and I don't know the full details, but let's say an athlete, if they're missing one out of the many, um, can't we give them that if they're asking for it? You know what? That's, and I think that's exactly where it's at. I think, you know, no means no. And, um, but, you know, there's contractual obligation. You know what? I th- you know what, doctor? I think it comes down to money, right? Uh, it's contractual obligations and, you know, sponsorships and people are losing sponsors because they're standing up for themselves and so on. It always seems to, you know, somehow surround them, surround itself with some form of material, um, measurement or boundaries, if you will. Um, so I, you know, what advice can you give? to a young athlete, someone who's listening tonight, uh, or a student who's, you know, working really hard to be top of their class, or, or a mom or a dad in the house who's just trying to be a champion in their own right. Um, we got about a minute left. What kind of advice uh, can you provide with, uh, with, you know, to people about kind of living in the spotlight? And because uh, I tell parents all the time, it's okay to be vulnerable in front of your children. Uh, it actually makes you more real. Uh, but, you know, what do you, what do you tell people who are afraid of, you know, falling off that pedestal, so to speak? 
Yeah, I think I think one of the biggest things is is that self-awareness, know who you are and why you do what you do. Really ground yourself in that purpose because the rest of it, the fear of failure, it's just feedback. That will bounce if you're really grounded in your purpose. The second thing, skill up. Just as much as you train your craft, yeah, you train the technical skill, Make yep. sure you train your mind, um, get those great mental fitness and resilience skills so you can tolerate the stress, handle the challenges, execute and be well no matter what the circumstance. Well, you know, it's been a pleasure to have you on, Doctor, and it's really nice to know that people are, out you are out, like you are out there doing what it is you do. Uh, love to have you on again when it's uh, when it's subject uh, um, subject when the subject uh, calls for it. I uh, really appreciate you staying up at night and um, joining us. But you know what? I'm going to leave you with something. Uh, you know, we are we are unto our own selves trying to create champions amongst our children. And next week, we're just talking about kids in general and how they're responding from all this. I think we really need to. I think you'll probably agree. We c- kind of need to give our kids a break um so they don't always have to be olympic athletes in the house and it's okay to get a b sometimes right love them for who they are and support them for what they do 100 percent. you're amazing dr karen mcneil she's a psychologist she's a psychologist and performance consultant she's a, a, an athlete on her own right a champion in her own right thank you again doctor for joining us when we come back from break uh we want to talk about the um it's a call-in segment want to hear from you still feeling vulnerable right Things are opening up and such, but are you still feeling a little bit vulnerable? And uh, let's uh, let's talk about that after the break. Yona Bud, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to Road to Recovery with Yona Bud, only on 640 Toronto. Now you got to ask yourself, am I going to go to a restaurant, sit at the table, and then look at the guy beside me or the couple beside me wondering if they've been vac- vaccinated? So I'm hoping we get to a point where if you've been vaccinated, you can show a little something and you walk in and you need to be vaccinated in order to get a reservation. But we're not there yet. you got to believe that people are taking it seriously. Uh, and, and you're worrying about things like flying, right? Or here's uh, something in this article I'm looking at. They're talking about the use of public toilets. I mean, I never used them to begin with if I didn't have, excuse me, if I didn't have to. But, you know, is there going to be another lockdown? Are there new variants? You know, all these things to think about that are beyond our control. They're all about tomorrow. They're not about today. And yesterday's over, baby, right? Like I said, it's all done. We're done with yesterday. All we've got is is today, and we can think a little bit about tomorrow. Uh, we've got Joseph. He's in Aurelia, and he wants to know how he gets his partner involved in therapeutic health. Hey, Joseph, how are you? Um, I'm fine, sir. How are you? I'm well, thank you. We've got a, a little bit of time here, so uh, why don't you uh, ask me your question and see if we can help. Uh, yeah, so the question I have is that um, um, my wife and I are having some um, marriage problems right now, and I mean, I'm not going to use the excuse of COVID, but it did it did play a part, and um, I've, already, I've already went forward, and I've already um, seeked help for myself but I'm trying to get my wife involved as well. Um, but she seems very, very, how do you say, resistant onto um, accepting help. And I'm wondering, is, is there any, is there any ideas that I can, no. Absolutely. Convince her. 
Well, I don't, well, I don't know about convincing her, but I do have some strategies for you. First of all, thanks for calling. And, uh, I can't tell you how proud I am of you for seeking the help that you need. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with the fact that you might not be, you might be rubbing up against each other a little bit because of the lockdown. It might not have anything to do with your relationship per se, because I don't know anything about your relationship, but it just might right. be the fact that you're, you're both in a funky place and you get put two people in a funky place and you only have each other to kind of vent at. So, um, number one, I, I would, I would make the request for her to get help uh, about you don't make it about her make it about you and it goes like something like this you know honey i really love you and i really want to do uh the best i can to help us both get well uh but in order for me to help you we need to kind of do this together would you be would you do me the favor or will you join me uh, in some group therapy together um for us to get better together because i can't do it by myself because i really worship our relationship i really cherish our relationship uh and i want to make sure that we're both good and uh, i need help to help you and i need you to get help so you can help me and we want to do this together. That's assuming you want to be in the marriage, brother. So if this is if the, if this is the girl, okay. So if the, if this is the girl for you, and this is what you want to do, then you got you're gonna have to you have to make it about you and the fact that you want to make this relationship work, and you know make it very easy for her. Make the make the arrangements. Uh, lead her, lead her, you know, lead her to where she's got to go. If it's virtual, make sure you set it all up and just hold her hand in the process and make sure you remind her that you love her and the reason you want to do this together is to make your relationship better. And because everyone's talking about how the pandemic is affecting relationships and here we are honey you and i and yeah we look at each other and we're not getting along as well as we used to but you know what we're still together neither one of us walked away let's see if we can figure out a way to make this even better because i think we really want to be together so for the sake of our relationship i don't know if you have kids but if you do for the sake of our relationship and for the kids let's let's do what we got to do and let's do it together Uh, i'm not asking you to do it for you i'm asking you to do it for me and if we can do it together that would be amazing so make it always about you make it not never use the word you when you're talking to her because it immediately right. puts people immediately puts people in on the de- on the defensive and just tell her man like you know i love you so much i want to do what i can to help and i this is nothing that we can do ourselves or on youtube we need to talk to people is that is that something you think you could say um absolutely wow that was that was such an eye-opener um the thing is is um i'm actually working on the timing because um my my first my first session was that um i was supposed to focus on myself like focus on myself focus on the relationship and then and then and then the child but i'm okay. I'm, I'm trying okay, to so- take the slow approach i'm not sure if the timing would be right like i already um it's already been three days since my last session and i don't know how to Okay. I mean, I don't I, 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 let, let, let me. I don't. I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm going to get cut off by my producer here in a minute. First of all, um, if you stay on the line, Devon will give you my phone number. You can reach me uh, after the show or you know early next week, and I'm glad to give you some time on my own, of my own. You know, no charge, and we'll talk about it. Give you some strategies one on one. But here's the here's the thing. If that's a great plan, you work on yourself and let her see how well you're doing. And proof in performance, right? She sees you're doing better, acting better, you know, a better man as a result of it. She's going to see that that's the way to, uh, to get to where you got to go. But listen, brother, you please call me and I'll, I'll, we can talk about it some more and, uh, I'll give you some strategies and some ideas. Uh, but you're definitely on the right path and I can't thank you enough for placing the call. I'm sure it helped a lot of people listening to what you had to say. Um, and you're, you know, just stay, stay focused, bro. I, I the tiger, right? Keep your eye on the prize. So please reach out to me. I'll do what I can to help and, 
uh, it's amazing, Joseph. Uh, just hang in there, brother. It, it, this will all work itself out. I promise. Just stick your head in the stick your head in the in the place where you want to get to, and that's where you're going to end up. So there you go. That's uh, that's a, a great segue for us to say goodnight for for now. Um, you know, just remember something. We're all in this together, so to speak. Especially your loved ones. It's not their fault. It's not your fault. But we got to hold each other's hand. So if you're with someone, give them a hug. Hold their hand. Tell them you love them. If you're not with someone, call someone. Tell them you love them. Give them a hug virtually. And uh, just remember, it's all about caring, giving, and sharing. I love you guys. You're the best audience ever. This is Yonabud, 640 Toronto.